Henry Moore sculptor Moon Head has seen a long but not straight journey before finally settling in Lassi Palazzi. In this podcast by Amos Lex, we will hear the fascinating story about the connection between Henry Moore's sculpture and the architect of Lassi Palazzi, Vilio Revel. Revel Nils, uh, your father, Ilya Revel, and the sculptor Henry Moore, they they knew each other pretty well. Can you tell us uh, how it all started? Well, I read in Henry Moore's biography that they had been introduced to each other by J.M. Richards, who was an architectural writer, British. I had heard and even met J.M. Richards. He visited Finland already in the 30s and wrote a book about Finnish architecture, which was published in 1966. Um, But in fact, I was with my father when he visited Much Haddam and Henry Moore's home and studio there. And that was in 1961. I was 15 years old. But my impression was that that was the first time they actually met, that some some level of contact had been established by by Jay and Richards. But, but that was the first actual meeting. Well, that must have been exciting for you. So you all, all, also met Henry Moore. Oh, yes, of course. I I could hardly believe my luck. I, for, for somebody 15, and I had learnt from home to admire his his uh, sculptures and, and so forth. So that, of course, yes, it was quite an experience for me. What was his studio like? Well, his studio, well, it had all kinds of half-finished plaster casts and things like this. It was not very big. But I understand that the big bronzes are are actually cast elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that there were none of none of those. And but but then in his garden there were some of his famous really big these reclining figures and so forth among the sheep and others. I mean they they were the neighbors or the farmers' sheep, but they came onto that part of also so that it looked very looked very impressive <laughs> and uh, but his home was very very modest it was a it was a what i'd call a country cottage and um and the living room where we sat had a kind of coffee table with various objects on it that i think henry moore had picked up in nature or somewhere somewhere rocks and somewhere pieces of driftwood and um and various items and I've seen photographs later and it seems that the interior of that room was never changed. (laughs) 
And uh, the thing that that your father and Henry Moore were talking about in '61, it was the Toronto uh, Town Hall and and the Archer, wasn't it? Yes. Um, when the Toronto City Hall was being planned, then there was a there is a square or a space in front of it for which a monument would be suitable. But among other things, the uh, some people in Toronto felt that a cenotaph in front of the old city, city hall should be moved uh, to be a monument in front of the new city hall. The cenotaph was, a, was in commemoration of of Canadian soldiers dead in World War One. Well, my father didn't think that was a very suitable monument for this new city hall. So he thought that a sculpture by Henry Moore, which would maybe commemorate whoever, which would, have, which would be less time-bound than World War One, would be better. And he went ahead and discussed the issue with Henry Moore. Uh, but it turned out that the city was not really ready. Was, above all, the city council was not ready for this kind of an order. So that Henry Moore started uh, one sculpture called Three-Way Peace, um, which he then sold to somebody else, to a private collector, because he wasn't going to be, he was. He didn't want to have it <laughs> in his studio forever. And, um, and this upset private circles in Toronto, in the city of Toronto, so much. They thought that this was a, a scandal, so that they started collecting funds privately uh, so as to acquire the sculpture, which no longer was available, but but Henry Moore then made a second one, which then was considered even more suitable, artistically speaking, or monumentally speaking. And that is what became called the Archer, and it is still in front of the city hall. Yes. During a later visit to, to Henry Moore's studio, Your father saw the the plast, uh, plaster model for Moodhead. Yes, that was in November of '64. Uh, my father and mother had been together in Canada, in Toronto, on city hall business, and on their way back, they stopped in London so as to go and see Henry Moore and discuss some aspect of, of the archer. And uh, in Henry Moore's studio at that time, my father saw the plaster cast of, uh, of Moonhead. And he was very deeply impressed by it. And apparently on the flight back to Helsinki the following day, He had talked about it to my mother and said that perhaps they could consider buying it. 
and my mother had been somewhat taken aback, saying, well, where would we put it? And uh, because she felt that our home wasn't worthy of such a, of such a work of art. And um, my father had just said thoughtfully, well, perhaps, perhaps we'll find a good place. And it so happened that that same evening, just a couple of hours after they had arrived home to the family, my father had a, had a stroke. Uh, we called an ambulance, and, um, but the hospital couldn't really do anything. The following morning, he was dead. And, um, well, of course, that was very upsetting for the whole family. And in the weeks that followed, my mother remembered Moonhead and had the thought that perhaps it was meant in one way or another that um, that the sculpture should be on my father's, should become my father's tombstone. Um, so we wrote to Henry Moore and Henry Moore was very favorably disposed and um, the following summer, the summer of 1965, my sister Tula and her husband traveled to Machadam to bring the sculpture to Helsinki. And it was going to be taken to my father's grave in Vasa. But it so happened that, well, first of all, Henry Moore himself had said that he was uncertain of how the bronze would take a Finnish climate if it was going to be outdoors. And um, that winter, there were some acts of vandalism on that graveyard. It was the first time ever. So there were these two things that made us afraid of placing it there. And then it just remained in my mother's home. And once my mother had passed away, then it came to my home or our home. And um, yes, well, that's where it's been. And then then you thought about donating it to, to Konstsamfundet, the, uh, the foundation behind Amos Rex. Yes, we had... Well, first of all, we had began to think that we have to... We're old, old enough now that we have to think about what happens should we make a will about some of the items we have in our possession or what. And because... But, but then that's quite uncertain because you can... You can always will one thing or another, but if it's if it's not really feasible, then something else happens. And and we somehow felt that we would want to know what happened. And above all, we wanted to keep it in Finland. And we certainly couldn't imagine selling it. So, um, and given that the Lasipalatsi, which was one of my father's very first 
projects, and certainly the first major project, had just been renovated or recently been renovated, we thought that that would be a very good place, given that it is now a museum, the Amos Rex Museum, that for various reasons it would be very suitable. Well, Konstantfundet is is extremely honored by this donation. And it feels really very suitable that Moonhead is now in this wonderful interior, the, the foyer of the, the Rex cinema in, in Lasi Palazzi, which is the the really the first major building that your father designed together when he was a very young man, together with with uh, two uh, other architects that he studied with, uh, Heimo Kokko and Veikko Riihimäki. Um, Lasi Palazzi, the glass palace, it must have been a special thing somehow for your father as he was very young when he designed it. It was not supposed to be a permanent building. It was supposed to be a a temporary structure for the Helsinki Olympics that should have taken place in 1940, but of course didn't. Um, Can you tell us a little bit what, what what was Lasi Palazzi's, uh, what, what did it mean for your father? Well, unfortunately, I'm really not in a position to, to, to say because it was not much talked about in the family because it was, it was already an established building at the time. And the kinds of things that were discussed over dinner at home usually had to do with buildings that were either controversial or or new or about to be built. The, the 30s were ancient history already. Especially for me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so that, um, so therefore, I don't really know, but I do think that it, um, I do think that he valued it himself also, that he did not, he did not regret designing it. <laughs> It's a wonderful building, and uh, you can see, I think, uh, sort of features in it that went on in his other works. There is, there are aspects of it that you sort of recognize in later works. Yes, that's true. Um, Very much so. And what is very what I like about it is that it's such a small scale because buildings, well, that's a, buildings often become too imposing if they're too big. I think that this one is a very human scale. It is. It is. That's that's part of its charm. And now, when it's uh, juxtaposed with the very contemporary architecture of uh, Asmo Yaxi and JKMM. So together in this new uh, Amos Rex uh, complex, it has, it's, it's even more important for Helsinki, I think. Well, yes, I hope that it, that it will remain a landmark. It will.
Thank you, Kati Revelnilsen. Thank you for engaging with us in the story of Moonhead. You can see the artwork in the Biorex foyer during your next visit. Welcome to Lasipalatsi and Amos Rex. Thank you.